0: Welcome to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Unlike the vast majority of my interviews, this episode was recorded in person at the 2019 Thriller Fest conference at New York City's Grand Hyatt at Grand Central Station. Enjoy. I appreciate you guys uh, stopping in to, to listen. We're live from Thriller Fest, and sitting here with a, a couple authors right here on the conference level, uh, with Regan Keeter. And also with Mary Thompson, a couple of, uh, thriller writers. Uh, Reagan, uh, appreciate you making time to join us, and appreciate you bringing Mary down and introducing all of us. Um, what to, What do you want readers to know about your thrillers and about your uh, your books?
1: Uh, well, I, I write a couple of different styles. I also actually write under the name. Gabriel Burns. Um, I have a book right now that's published under the name Gabriel Burns. It's uh, called 99 Souls, and it's a paranormal thriller. And um, I'll have my first book coming out under the name Reagan Keter um, next year. It's called Misery Rock, and that's a uh, domestic suspense. Um, and uh, I do that because uh, I think, for example, if you, Starbucks owns Tivana, and you wouldn't want to walk into a Starbucks and find yourself in a Tivana. Uh, yes. So I yes. think it's important to, to, um, to know what you're getting when you buy it. So I like both types of books. Maybe you will as well. But I just want you to know what you're getting when you pick it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, Mary, what do, what do you write and what do you have coming up?
2: Okay, well, I have a book out called Amy, Chelsea, Stacy D. It's a teen thriller about two girls who got kidnapped. One comes home, and you don't know what happened to her. She won't tell anyone what happened. So it's like a mystery thriller about what happened yes. to these two girls.
0: That sounds like it's going to be a, a, a little bit dark and, and, and very uh, very realistic. Um, it's really hard investigating a lot of a lot of teen crimes. Um, because there, oftentimes the, the the police or investigators, even the families, don't necessarily have a lot of level of cooperation or trust when uh, when teens are struggling through some type of crisis, and I, I imagine that that is going to be pretty authentic for, for the readers.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely tried to make it realistic. I had read multiple books about real kidnappings before I wrote the book. Not you know not not purposefully actually. I just was interested, which is <laughs> what, yes. what led me to decide that I wanted yeah. to write. This book, yeah. Um, yeah, and so it is one issue that that she deals with. Amy, the main character, deals with her mistrust of the police. She doesn't want to tell them what happened yeah. um, because, oh, partly because she's keeping secrets about, <laughs> about what happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect, yeah, and the, that's perfectly spot on for the way that uh, way that teens are going to behave. Uh, that's, what what got you started writing in uh, in this genre and, and uh, to put these kind of books together?
2: Oh man, that's a tough question. I, you know, I started out writing fantasy, um, and I did an MFA program in writing for children at the new school. And I was working with people who were doing contemporary and I was like, what is this? I didn't even know what it was. And, you know, it led me to learn how to write in contemporary YA. Um, and the, you know, the thriller aspect just came from, you know, I had this idea based on stories that I read in the news and books that I had read about kidnappings. Um, and it just was fascinating to me.
0: And for for your writing, Reagan, how did how did you come about to, to be a writer? Did you always know that you wanted to write? Did you have a, a writing mentor early on? Did someone shape your your uh, your craft from an early point? Or uh, I
1: actually decided I wanted to write when I was fifteen when I read the book Sphere by Michael Crichton. It was actually yeah. the first book that I couldn't put down, um, and I actually wrote my first book that year. I was going to boarding school at the time, and I wrote the book in my spare time. Um and it was not a very good book. <laughs> <laughs> um. We all
2: understand that.
1: But it was a, it was a um it was a learning opportunity. So
0: Absolutely. You know, uh-huh. it's uh, everybody everybody starts uh starts somewhere and I, I heard someone say that uh your first million words are practice and you know probably the,
2: more. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: you know and I think the the sooner and and earlier that you get through those million words um you know, I think it's, for me, it's like working any other, any other muscle and, you know, you don't become a better writer without writing. And, and It's
2: I, not even just the first million. It's like, I mean, I still like, you know, I write a ton of stuff that's bad. Even now you have to work and work and work to get into mm-hmm. that stuff that's mm-hmm. good.
0: Yeah. And for me, the, the writing, the first draft it, for me is, is like the easy part. You know, it's going back and polishing and editing that into something that even kind of resembles a semi-precious stone like i I wouldn't even say that i'm putting diamonds out at all but the the writing part has gotten a lot easier but the editing part never has you know, I think that's just such a tough
2: struggle. But when you're editing, at least you have a base of something to work with, yes. right? you do not just try to come up with it. So I love editing in that way because you're like, okay, I have something. I can work with this.
1: I feel like the editing for me has gotten easier over the years because it used to be I would go back and read it and I'd be like, this is wrong. This is wrong. this yeah. is, And I could do that a hundred times. Yeah. And I'm actually relatively proud of the last book I finished, which is neither the ones I've discussed. Um... I can actually read a number of pages and be like, this is good. Just changing this one word. And it's a nice feeling to not have to be quite as rough with it. I'm also a a plotter instead of a pantser though. Mm -hmm. So I, I take, I'll take a month or more just thinking the story through from beginning to end because that saves me. Um, I've done pantsing in the past and it means a lot more rewriting for me to, to foreshadow and to set things up. And if I take the time to plan the story out, then I don't have to do as much of that
0: later on. So. What is, what is your process like? Do you outline, do you write totally by the seat of your pants or are you you a mix of somewhere in the middle, Mary?
2: Oh yeah, I would say I'm a mix. Like for for Amy, Chelsea, Stacey D, I I wrote the first couple chapters because I had the idea, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, at the beginning, but then of course I had to figure out what had happened. And so I very quickly went back and figured out the main plot points, but you have to be flexible. Like you can't just write an outline and stick to it because it totally sucks the life out of it. So for me, I have like a few major plot points. Like I knew what had happened that she was keeping secret. You have to know that if you're going to write a book about somebody keeping, you know, something secret. Um, But a lot of the details you have to figure out as you go along. And sometimes I'll write the whole, I'll write the whole thing with my plot points and then I'll go back and make an outline and work with that on the editing process.
0: And over all of my writing, my my process has totally shifted. I, my first effort that I thought was going to be the only book I would publish was a total pantser. I just sat down and wrote whatever I felt like writing that day with a sort of idea about how it would end, but no idea how we were going to get there at all. And now I plot out, um, I do a lot of outlining, a lot of like structure, a lot of you know obligatory scene management. Um and it's, uh, it has absolutely changed and made more efficient my, my process, but still, like, when I'm writing, even based on the outline, like, it still ends up different than I than outlined, you know? It's, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, the, that roadmap is turns out to just be kind of like a little bit of a guide, you know?
1: Yeah, and I've heard it put before the reason for that, and that will happen to me as well. Um, I've heard it put before the reason for that is that. Outlining is more of a mental exercise and writing is more of an emotional exercise and the writing will you the characters will reveal things and take actions that force the story to go in a different direction sometimes than you then you thought the story would go
2: I think the emotional the thing you said about emotions is really true it's like it is like in the in the moment the emotions driving it but you have to know those plot points at the same time yeah.
0: Yeah, I think especially with uh, one of the things that I have tried to more deliberately address in the last last few years are a lot of the the genre based reader expectations, and I didn't really appreciate a lot of those kind of subconscious details. Um, you know, I've been reading thrillers, you know, for uh, well for thirty some years now, but um, I didn't realize until I started looking more deliberately at the craft of of all these things that when you're looking at them, like well of course now i understand that i expect to see a you know um a, a hero at the mercy of the villain you know and, but even before as a reader like you don't consciously understand that but now putting those things together it, it's made a such a huge difference in, in being deliberate but also i can't let uh can't let those things get away of in the way of the emotion of the the, the writing as the character reveals it. You know, it's uh, I think it's really best to let the the characters tell the story and kind of get out of their way. You know?
1: It's interesting that um we, that we both kind of ended up in this interview because your story starts where uh, the end of a kidnapping, right?
2: Yeah, it's they've been they've been gone for six years at the uh, beginning of the book. Oh, <laughs>
1: Yeah. My, my book starts with a kidnapping
2: <laughs> <laughs> my,
1: my paranormal thriller starts with the kidnapping yeah. so um, the, uh, a person comes to the door is knocking on the door is asking to be let in says car broke down etc yes. the, well, the, oh. the mother doesn't want to let him in then he calls her That's by name, she's the
2: smart one. You know,
1: and he says, "Never get in the
2: car. That's yeah. <laughs> on the the back cover of my page." Unless, unless my they give you the candy the first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a freebie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and um, uh, basically, he busts down the door, comes in, takes yeah. the child, and disappears into the night.
0: So, yeah. wow, yeah, it's it. It is such a, a a terrifying event, right, to have a child disappear. And- to me,
2: the psychology of what happened afterwards was so fascinating because mm-hmm. um, there's a psychology of what people go through, especially in the long-term kidnapping, yeah. how different it is from what you might imagine. And it's very understandable if you, if you read about real people's experiences, what they go yeah. through. Mm-hmm. Um, but in recovering from the trauma of it, um, all the, the PTSD issues that, that people might have um, afterwards.
0: Yeah. How, how much research did you have to do for this? And how, how hard was that to get through? As I, I imagine reading a lot of those accounts would be really difficult.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't I just had read them because I was interested, like I said before. So it was like, I didn't do that much research specifically for the book because I had already done it without okay. really meaning yeah. to.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So. <laughs> You're like
0: pre-gaming the book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. So I did do a lot of research, but I didn't really mean to. It was yeah. just sort of being sucked in from, from my personal interest.
0: Accidental expertise. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we just coined that term here. Don't use it without paying royalties. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Um, and then for, for years, um, what kind of effort did you have to put in, in research and authenticity and, and making sure that your, your fiction was, was plausible and, and reasonable for the reader to tag along with?
1: Um, definitely not as much because mine is a lot more, um, more on the fancy side. So mm-hmm. the abductor is, par- the, the abductor is paranormal. He is, um, he... I have this little. Th- so when I was writing the book, before I wrote the book, I wrote a little thing from the bad guy's perspective, and it stuck with me. Even though I wrote it like years ago, and I put it away and forgotten, but he is God's first creature, older than the angels, and he's seen the wars between the angels. He's seen all the horrible things mankind has done, and his perspective is it's time to start over. And the child he abducts is what's called a, a messenger, and he's yeah. essentially a Christ figure returned if you want to if you want to say that. Although I, I don't mean for this to be in any way religious. I'm just right. trying, I have some religious um, themes, yeah. but it's not it's not a religious book. And um, he is collecting the abductor is collecting his children who um, who are effectively God's eyes. And he is uptaking the messenger with the intention of um, letting mankind bring about its own destruction. and Wow. Um, so I had a lot more liberties with not having to be quite
0: as, <laughs> quite as strict you to didn't the truth. You read books about
2: that really happening. I'm like, well, let me, go, let me read about people who've really gone through this experience.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, sorry, uh, most of them live in uh, Roswell, New Mexico. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I would imagine that has to be really incredibly freeing as an author, um, that you get to write something that is, is based in our universe but is so much more ethereal that you don't have to necessarily stick to our laws of physics and, you know, the policy and procedure of agencies and people. And
1: yes, but what I've learned through my writing is that there's an honesty, the truth of people, and I refer to it as being honest when I'm writing, and you can sometimes, and I don't know if you experience this, but or if you experience this, but sometimes I will start to drift away from that and i'll I'll, and i will feel it and i'll be like this isn't being honest this isn't being what people would do and you have to stop yourself and you have to cut and you have to say you know maybe 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 what is honest is ugly but it's honest and you gotta and you have to be honest and i think if you're i think if you're honest to what people are and to who your characters are and to what the human experience is Um, I really think that's what people are looking for when they're reading. And um, I think if you can do that, it doesn't really matter as much how far your story goes beyond reality, as long as a reader can read your characters and say, I understand that. I can relate to that.
0: And on that note of relatability, Mary, um, one of the things that I think a lot of writers struggle with or making their bad guys, their their villains, the the some of the even ancillary characters relatable and three dimensional and, and not just this like two dimensional caricature of, of what you know, some stereotype of a person. As, as a writer, how how do you go about crafting your characters so that all of them, even the bad guys, are, are relatable in some way?
2: Yeah, I mean, it is tough, right? Because the person, obviously, the kidnapper is a terrible person. Like, there's yeah. no way to get around that. But he does have a he does have a history of things that have happened in his life that may have led to him being that way. And it's like, um, there, there are he does have emotions, and he does he does love people in his own twisted way. Yeah. Um, and I think it really, it is important to show that, like, I don't think it's necessarily bad to sometimes have a villain who's just a villain and they don't necessarily have that backstory. I think that can be legitimate, but I do like in this book, I definitely did create a backstory for him and a reason, a way that he loves that you might understand that he is, thinks he's feeling love, you know, but it's not what we would experience. Um, yeah, it's, uh. It's it's interesting as an author because even you got to get into every character's head, um, even though he's not a perspective character. And you know it's disturbing how you can be like you could oh, now I understand how he would act because of this, and like I can get in his head and create his actions. And you're like, man, like <laughs> yeah,
0: what's wrong with me? <laughs> what's
2: wrong with me that I just got the head of this character. Like I understand yeah. how he loves this this girl that he kidnapped and the other character.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's one one of the things I, I use kind of as a as a cheat. Um, to help put myself emotionally in that, in that headspace, um, uh, when I'm creating the characters, I, I, I grew up playing a lot of music. And so I, I listen to a lot of music when I type, I'm normally at like volume 12 and the, uh, so I'll, I'll listen to music when I'm writing from a character's point of view that they would listen to, you know, and which becomes a little bit tough when I'm writing about like, you know, the Sinaloa cartel, or you know, um, a, a terrorist group that you know it's uh, it ends up making me I think a little bit um, a little bit angry at them for making me listen to the to, to their their uh, their playlist. Um, but it's I think a lot more of their authenticity kind of seems to come through. Um, that's how I guess I deal with it or try to try to get into their headspace a little bit.
1: I find that, or from my perspective, everybody's the hero of their own story, and that should be Mm -hmm. true of your bad guys as well. Yeah,
2: definitely.
1: And so if you can see the world through their eyes, you will find that, you know, they're not going to be, they'll never be the relatable character, the one you want to win, Mm -hmm. but it should, at least their viewpoint should be understandable to you, and and. If you can see it, then I think that will come through. They'll come through as three-dimensional by virtue of the fact that they are, in their minds, good people doing things that they need to do, even though they are... Even if their reasons are terrible.
0: Yeah. Yes. At least to us. I I
2: don't think they have to think that they're a good person, but they do have to think that they have to do whatever it is. That that they have a right to do whatever yeah. it is
1: absolutely yeah. that's correct that's I a like better you.
2: way of yeah. putting a right to do that I mean many I think many villains do think that they're the good people doing the right thing you know I've written that in, in my mm-hmm. you know, previous previous book like the villain sure. really did think he was doing the right thing but you know in in this particular book I don't think he, I think he just thinks he has to and he has a right to and his desires would come mm-hmm. first yeah
0: well what um, having written a, a, a number of books now Mary what, what do you wish you, of what you know today, what do you really wish that you had known when you started this whole journey out?
2: Um, I think that I wish that I had planned better for like, what genre am I going to do? And what the, what are the conventions and in, in the marketing aspect of it? Because my first book um, is called Woof Toom. It's about a boy who's turned into this worm-like creature. Um, and I, you know, I love the book. I still love the book. And I, but I didn't know that it was a, a middle-grade like you know, book right? Like I'm just yeah. writing this book, yeah. and then you know I met went to a writers conference in and met an agent. They said they told me it was a middle grade book, and then I started writing children's and then got into it. Um, but I wish that I had thought I'm writing for this this market um, before I started, and so I wish that I learned more about all the different genres that I you know ended up writing in <laughs> before I did, just did it.
0: So if we can put you in the same way back machine, Reagan, mm-hmm. what would you? What information would you give your
1: Former self. Surprisingly, I would actually have a very similar answer. I think it's when you first start writing, you just start writing with with the story you like to tell, and you think everybody else is going to love it too. And with my first couple books, I was like, I have no idea what genre this is. When I was done, I was like, I don't know what this is, and it was very hard to figure out how to how to pitch it or how to do whatever with it. Because and and now I actually I'll think, you know, what am I writing? you know, what is my intention? Who are my characters? You know, what is the shape of the story and and who's the audience? And, and it gives some structure to my book up front that, um, that in, that in its own way is freeing because um, what was it? They say sometimes you get the the most creativity by, by creating walls. So yeah.
0: Yeah. putting those, those limits and forcing yourself um, like for my, drawn a, an analogy from my, my former cop life, right? If you have to fight in an elevator, you're going to be a lot more creative than if you've got this open field, you know? And, uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, giving yourself the, those limits and those restrictions end up putting together a, a basis for you to, to really focus your creativity. Yeah. Um, how has the conference been for, for both of you so far, I mean, we're only a few hours into this. <laughs> meeting expectations, surpassing expectations, or are you guys going to be the the the, the names and lights this year and panels next year and, and ready to? I mean,
2: really this is my first ThrillerCon. You know, I I previously done fantasy. I've only had you know one Thriller out, and I just. Um... I love it. It's great. It's meeting different people. And like, I can't always say it earlier. Like everybody here is so dressed up. Like I'm sitting here like in jeans and like, I'm wearing a geeky t-shirt, you know, cause I'm used to doing fancy stuff. And I'm like, everybody's wearing like button down shirts. And, like I'm like, I, huh. I brought
0: both of them. But I
1: don't. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't ever wear button down shirts at home. I mean, like Jean, I'm in something like what you're wearing now. Most of the time. <laughs>
0: Um, I've been most surprised um, kind of by the the organization as a whole, but especially, you know, here with everybody, you know, in the the same place, like, um, been most surprised by the just total generosity of most everyone here. I mean, I, well, I can't even say that. Everyone that I've met here has been totally, you know, generous and willing to give of, of their time and expertise and to be able to sit in a room and listen to you know, a lot of the, the folks who have um, carved very successful niches for themselves in the, in the publishing world, and they're here to tell the rest of us how we can replicate their success, that's an amazing thing to me. Um, and I don't know of any other, any other organizations that really do that. Um, this is, I think, a really unique opportunity for, for everyone who's working their way up the mountain.
2: You know, writers, like, if for those if people are listening, they're aspiring writers, like writers are nice people, like, mm-hmm. because everybody has struggled, like most of all, every all of us have had other careers, like we're all in our second career, or like most of us, like I have a day job, most of us have day jobs, right. So, like, we've all struggled. And Like, it's hard to be like, super, like, arrogant about yourself and your work, like when you <laughs> when you like when you're working in the publishing industry, and you struggle to get where you are, and you're constantly struggling. It's like, you want people have helped me. You have to help others. Like yes. don't be intimidated by talk about talking to people because everybody just wants to help each other and be part of a community.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nicely put. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, when I first, uh, first was trying to get published, I, um, got in touch with, uh, uh, with Joseph Wamba, who's like the original cop author. And I, uh, managed to track down his, his email address I sent him an email, thinking there's no way anybody's going to ever respond to this. And like four and a half hours later, I had a really lengthy response and really well thought out like advice on you know what I should be doing. And I thought that was an anomaly. And you know, it turns out the writing community is largely composed of of that same personality. It's a really, really fantastic, almost you know, nurturing place to be. You know, I'm I'm really really happy to be able to be a part of this
2: gonna listen to the love in the room you
0: guys being a writer is awesome
1: it is it's actually funny because um you say that because when i was i was working in a newspaper a number of years ago and there was a writer in atlanta that i knew about and i thought gosh it would be great to get in touch with him and maybe be able to do something with them or whatever so i actually end up sending him this was uh I guess email wasn't really a thing yet. It was probably around, but I guess it wasn't really much of a thing yet. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, had, <laughs> I had mailed him a couple short stories, and yeah. he actually called me, and and um, I actually hung out hung out with him a few times, wow. and it, it didn't really That's go much cool. of anywhere professionally, yeah. but it, yeah. it, that he appreciated the work was a, was one of those for me one of those stepping stones that said maybe I can really do this. Yes, and and when you have you know when you have reputable people say You know i like what you're doing it's it's i mean i'm sure you've had the same thing and it it definitely helps keep
2: you i mean for some people like just a little bit of encouragement is like so so much and a little bit of discouragement can discourage someone from Mm -hmm. writing so you know as far as we also need to be careful about like making flipping comment or something like that like we really have to be careful to like nurture people and say
0: something nice or don't say anything at all Yeah. yeah yeah exactly you know i didn't really appreciate um when you put something out for publication you're putting this piece of your soul out to the world for criticism, and the internet is not a kind place. <laughs> it's, you know, not not filled with warmth and love. It turns out it's <laughs> it, it mostly bitterness and hate over, you know, the five dollars. Um,
2: yeah, you have to develop a, a thick skin, yes. for sure. And unfortunately yeah. I think I was kind of born with that. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's, you know, what strength that I have? And it's meant like, you know, I get like, hey, you know, stop. people get so upset with the like, Goodreads reviews and stuff. And it's like, you know what, just like, just yeah. chill out.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know I think you really have to, uh, you really have to be writing for your own intrinsic satisfaction. And if other people like it and it resonates with them, fantastic. Um, but I think until somebody can identify what the formula is for a bestseller and we can just replicate that formula. It's also subjective that I think we really just have to write for ourselves and hope mm-hmm. somebody else likes it.
2: Also I have to like, it's funny, like a lot of the times the books that I love the most have like the lowest amount of stars or whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, I'm yeah. like, I don't like a lot of them are very polarized. They'd like love yeah. or hate type thing. And yeah. so as are some of my books. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't. I don't trust anybody. Anybody else says, and I try not to get too butt about what people say about about me. And I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I when
1: I when I first started querying agents and publishers, and I would get. Rejection letters. I it tore me up. I had to develop a thick skin because <laughs> I did not have one in the yeah. beginning. I would only send a few query letters for one book, and every get, you know, you know, I'd send five or ten letters, and I would get five or ten rejections, and I'd be like, "This must suck." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's it one of the things like I, I wished I had known was some of the the publishing or commercial standards, right? Like, the first thing I wrote that I tried to get published was uh about hundred and eighty six thousand words, uh seven hundred and fifty pages. And I thought that was like this is gonna be fantastic. People are gonna just publishers are gonna line up for this this massive book of authenticity and Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully an, an editor um told me, you know, gave me some very pointed advice and, you know, this needs to be two different books and, you know, here's some, some things the industry kind of looks for and, you know, commercial publication and, you know, it, uh, ended up making, uh, making all the difference. That's great. So what, uh, what would you guys like, uh, readers to know about where they can find you, where they can connect with you, where they can get it maybe on a newsletter or follow you?
2: Um, let's say I don't have a newsletter. I am on Twitter at Mary G Thompson. Um, I'm on Instagram, but I hardly ever post because I just don't like, I don't know. I never take pictures, but you can find me at, uh, MGT author, um, on Instagram. Um, uh, Mary is my website.
1: And, um, so I'm ReaganKeeter.com, and that's R E A G A N K E E T E R. And I spell my name because I've heard Reagan spelled every way possible. Yeah. And, um, I'm also on Facebook at Reagan Keeter, and Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm most active on Facebook. Um, you can find me on any of them, but, um, I'm going to be most active on Facebook. I do have a mailing list that you can sign up with, uh, through my website. Um, and yeah, that's how you can find me.
0: Fantastic. Well, I, I greatly appreciate both of you stopping in. And if you, uh, you know, make any, any new friends that you think would like to come down, send them in and we'll get everybody, uh, everybody we can on the air. And, um, You know, hopefully you get uh, some some more readers introduced to some more fantastic authors. I greatly appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you
2: so much for having us.
0: My pleasure. You've been listening to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters, a copyrighted broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and this episode's guests have been Mary G. Thompson and Reagan Keeter. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there.